1: Climb Capital, a commercial real estate investment company focused on buying and managing destination RV parks. He has been an active commercial and multifamily real estate investor since 2010. Uh, Originally, he's from Texas, and he attended University of Oklahoma on a Navy scholarship. So... Happy veterans day today. Actually, we are recording this on veterans day. So thank, thank you, you, Jeremy, for your service. This couldn't have been better than this, right? This <laughs> is perfect day to record this. Of course, this will be published in about four to five weeks, but thank you again for your service and thank you to all the veterans.
0: Absolutely. Thank you for paying your taxes so I can turn dinosaurs into exhaust. <laughs> so I
1: appreciate that. Yeah, no, absolutely. Thank you so much. So Jeremy on veterans day coming on the podcast and, uh, you in 2022, you participated in his for your private first private equity deal, acquiring an ownership stake in Velocity Restorations as well. Mm-hmm. So this is yep. pretty interesting. You are also looking into restoration and modernization of vintage SUVs. So we will talk about that as well. But welcome, Jeremy.
0: Thank you. Thank you for having me. Always glad to get uh, opportunity to share my story. Absolutely. I glad for a little bit, yeah. <laughs>
1: So uh, we'll uh, get started with this question with everyone. Tell us something interesting or funny about yourself.
0: Well, so there's probably two things, but uh, the one thing since it is Veterans Day, talking about the Navy, uh, I have over 4,000 hours of piloting helicopters. So uh, I think that's a pretty larger number for for anybody that's not a professional helicopter pilot at this point. And then I call myself a great endorsement. So a lot of people like to get out and go hike and fish and run around the mountains and get bit by bugs. I have really fair skin. And so I like to stay inside. So uh, my, my, my version of travel is just a little bit different than maybe some other people's, but uh,
1: Interesting. Uh, I, make,
0: I make do. So absolutely.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm crazy about outdoors. You know, if I can work <laughs> whole day outdoor, I'll do it.
0: <laughs> and if I can fly outdoors all day inside the helicopter, I'm just as happy. So that's kind of my, that's kind of my play. So uh,
1: in your bio, you mentioned that you started investing in real estate in 2010. I kind of started in 2011. How did you start investing real, in real estate and
0: why? So if you go back to 2007, I graduated from the college um, oh. and joined the Navy right away, right? Commissioned into the Navy. I had way too much time before flight school got started. And I read way too many books, watched too much CNBC and uh, too much time on the internet and decided that I was going to get rich in the stock market in the middle of 2007. Yeah. And so I actually went and took out uh, starter loans, career starter loans, oh. uh, $55,000 as a 22 year old. That And that it, is a lot
1: of money at that time.
0: That, it was inflation. more money than my salary for the year, right? <laughs> invested it all in the stock market in 2007, early 2008, and turned $55,000 into $10,000. And so uh, that was my kind of kickoff to the world. So I realized I may be a bigger idiot than I thought I was. Maybe I shouldn't try to be billionaires at their own game. There's gotta be a better way. And that kind of spiraled me into uh, figuring out that real estate really was gonna be the play for me. And I finally bought my first piece of real estate in 2010, a few years later, when we moved to San Diego with the Navy and was able to fly a fourplex, and did this thing called house hacking and burring before house hacking and burring were really names. Um, Lived in the front house, rented out the back three, had somebody else manage it, kind of everyone like, oh, I like this. I, I want to do this again. Uh, so kind of that kicked me off then uh, as I, a couple of years later started to buy mobile home parks, small apartment complexes, and eventually RV parks.
1: No, that's amazing. That is amazing. So, um, you know, you did house hacking before everyone, um, you know, started looking into it. And, and when I read your bio, you also mentioned multifamily. And now you have mm-hmm. moved on to RV parks. I had to do execs and pivot. Right. And I moved from multifamily to mobile home parks about a exactly. yep. couple of years ago. Right. And, and the, we know the reason why. Right. The uh, compressed cap rate. Every mom and pop wants to do multifamily. Right. So I moved on to mobile home parks and senior housing and even self-storage. Mm-hmm. When did you switch to investing in RV parks and and. What, what so it's the catalyst.
0: Yeah. So you know, I kind of I met my partner actually in 2014. Uh, we were trying to buy the same mobile home park here in Pensacola. It was really our first kind of bigger commercial deal. Either one of us were trying to do. Uh, I knew of him. I didn't know him. Uh, but I got his phone number and I was asking him some questions. Uh, he's like, "Which RV park? Are you, which uh, mobile home park are you talking about?" I told him, I was like, well, "I'm going tomorrow to make an offer on that same park." And I was just kind of dejected and said, "Well, don't make an offer more than mine, right? At least let's not like let's not negotiate against each other, right?"
1: Right. Um, and-
0: Come to find out, he was also in the military, uh, a military pilot in the Marine Corps. Uh, We've lived about a block from half each other. We went to the same church. My wives were already friends. We just didn't really know each other yet. Uh, and So we actually decided to kind of uh, to, to, to work together at that point. So we started buying uh, multifamily mobile home parks 2014, 2015, uh, and learned about syndications through some training, and then just literally copied what we learned and went out and did it for the first couple of years. Now, we were still active duty military pilots at the time. And so we did about one or two deals a year. Um, and So we were starting to buy kind of building up a, a, a decent sized portfolio as we went along. And in 2020, 2021, after COVID hit, we had some pretty decent size uh, apartments that were just absolutely decimated with the COVID nice. eviction moratorium. And in that time, we also bought some like relatively small close by RV parts. Uh, and we're looking around and we're like, man, we hate going to these mobile home, or home, mobile home parks. We really hate these classy apartment complexes. Nobody's paying us money. Everybody's mad at us. We're nice. sinking tons of money to fix them. And it might as well not even do it because the next person just destroys it. And then we turn around and we're like, we've got these two RV parks. People are on vacation. They're happy to be there. They pay us before they get there. And we're like, wait, wait, wait. Why are we buying these? We couldn't buy these instead. And so we decided uh, middle of 2021, hey, I think we need to refocus, climb capital. Uh, let's go buy a a property that kind of matches the lifestyle that we want to have. And so, uh, you know, I grew up uh, going to campgrounds and RV parks. Uh, In fact, my wife and I met doing that, you know, in high school with our families. Um, Oh, wow. My my partner had a 42 foot, you know, uh, class a mobile, uh, mobile home, or not mobile home, sorry, big old class a RV. He'd been traveling. In fact, the first RV park we bought was one he was just staying in and made an offer. It was too good to, to pass up. So we bought, didn't really know what we were doing. Uh, and so we said, hey, let's focus on the RV parks and let's not focus on the RV parks that are kind of just mobile home park, like Because we had one of those two in the portfolio. We wanted to focus on destination campgrounds and RV parks, places people wanted to go on vacation. And really the same reason that you'd moved away from a multifamily, we saw the cap rates compressing, 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 but RV parks, this, this campground space is relatively small, but there hasn't been that compression yet. It's still a lot of mom and pop right. owners, not a ton of information, not a ton of data. And so we thought there would really be an opportunity for us to kind of jump in there. And and I think so far we've uh, been proven right uh, as we keep going forward.
1: Oh, that's awesome. So why RV parks are the next booming asset class?
0: So I think there's a couple of things. When you think about RVs, and if you're my age, right, middle, late 30s, you know, 10 years ago, I would have never considered an RV something I wanted to buy or someplace I wanted to visit. But with a couple of things happening. One yeah. would be ubiquitous internet, right? So things like yeah. Starlink, uh, when you start thinking about cable, when you start thinking about fiber type internet, you can get internet almost anywhere, right? So anyway. that changes your ability to work. Second would be COVID. Once COVID hit, remote work became something that became way yep. more normalized. And so you add internet, you add more remote work. And then third, you get this idea of people just want to travel and see the world when they're young. Not everybody's waiting until they're old. So things like van right. life, mid, mid-career uh, intermissions, you know fire movement, all these people want to get out on the road and see it. And right. So RV parks has become like this macro opportunity that even five or six years ago may not have been the same kind of opportunity for growth that we're seeing right now. And so uh, super hot uh, asset class hasn't seen a lot of money from the, uh, the coast or from institutional investors. And so that's kind of our play is we're buying up these um, RV parks and looking to package for kind of institutional buyers in the future um, and kind of build something a little bit bigger.
1: And something very important, you mentioned that this new generation, the millennials and and later generation, they don't want to start enjoying the life after 60, right? This is what we have been wired to do, right? Invest, you know, work W-2, put the money in 401k, and then when you retire, enjoy. This COVID thing made people realize that you may not be here next day. Absolutely. This is the this is the time for you to enjoy, right? So get out there, enjoy as much as you can, because you never know about life. Because none of us knew that entire world would be locked down, right? Absolutely. So, so I I agree. It's, things are changing. Mm-hmm. One question I have, and and we haven't spoken about this, so it may be a curveball, but during COVID, I think six months after, first six months were terrible for all of us, right? Because none of us knew what to do. And then we were stuck in our house. But then after six months, people realized we want to get out, right? So Mm a lot of investors, and, and including me, I was trying to buy and I never did. They started investing in Airbnb, right? First six months, hospitality industry was decimated. And then Airbnb became a big deal, right? So now, but what I'm seeing, those Airbnbs are getting in trouble mm-hmm. and those investors are trying to sell. Do you think something like that will happen with RV parks?
0: I don't. So here's why I like RV parks is zoning, right? So when I think about um, housing, RV parks and what we're, we're buying are not housing, right? So we're not like a community good that the city or the county or the state is going to say, you cannot charge more than this, right? The right. eviction moratoriums won't affect us because we're not we're not housing, right? And so we're a we're a vacation, we're a hospitality, we're like a hotel. And so I'm not worried about the government moving in and saying, "Hey, you can't do this because you're in housing Airbnb's." Though I've got that fear, right? I've seen it. I, I know right. people, right? They had the Airbnb, the city or the county or the local municipality decided, "Hey, here's the the circle of where we're going to allow Airbnb's." They were outside the circle. Their, their Airbnb that was killing it, making tons of money is no longer allowed to be an Airbnb and now they've lost tons of value in this property. And so by buying these properties that are already zoned for this hospitality, you know, this, uh, this outdoor rec kind of thing, we don't really think there's going to be something like, Hey, no, you can't do Airbnbs because that's the nature of what it is. Like you can't take away uh, the zoning that, uh, that had already existed for that kind of business.
1: No, that, that, that makes sense now. So, uh, Another thing, of course, that is part of inflation and people now are moving back, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, moving back to normal. Mm -hmm. Why do you think, because we know inflation, now recession is coming. That is what Fed is trying to do. They keep calling it a soft landing, but you and I know it would not be a soft landing, right? So do you think RV parks are recession-ready or recession-resistant? Like, you know, we call mobile home parks and self-storage facilities, Mm -hmm. And, and why do you think so?
0: So there's a couple of things here. One is that we saw the prices of apartments just going crazy a few years ago, right? We started selling our apartments because we didn't even believe the value that people were willing to pay us. We're like, listen, if you want to pay that much for this unit, you can have it. Like, we don't think it's worth that. Um, that scared us, right? The, the amount of liquidity, the amount of leverage that we saw in the apartment space, all of those things started to be like, I don't, I don't think that this is sustainable. And so one of the reasons we also moved to RV parks is it automatically forced us to delever, right? There's not institutional capital in RV parks. And so we're looking at 65 to 70% loan to values already. And so we don't have the interest rate pressure because the, the the payment already wasn't necessarily so tied right to the property. So such a tight spread. Um, and so that kind of gives us a little bit of hope that even if interest rates continue to rise, yes, now we're underwriting seven and a half caps, but we can still buy 10 caps, right? If, if we keep kind of right. looking on the search. So give us some opportunity. The, the, res- the recession resistance is a, is a good question. And it's, it's something we're testing every day. Gas prices also really affect the ability for people to get out there. But we found a couple things. One is if there's a recession and you have a handful of kids and you've already bought this 30, 40, 50, $60,000 RV, you're probably still going to go on vacation, right? The times right. may not be great. You may not be flying to Hawaii. You're certainly not going to overseas travel. If you're in Florida, you may not be driving across to the Grand Canyon. If you're in California, you may may not be driving to Florida, but you may be willing to still go out to the RV park or the campground that's a couple hours away, just outside of town, something like that, right? So we still believe that we will be a vacation destination even for a budget conscious um, uh, uh, traveler. And then on top of that, they have this big investment. And so if they have this big investment of this RV, yes, some will sell. But so much they're just gonna use them, right? So we're still providing an opportunity for people to use kind of this lifestyle that they've created. People spend hundreds of thousands of dollars in their camping habits and in their in their rigs and their setups and their vehicles, right? To be able to go camping even just a couple times a year. So we still think that's gonna be an opportunity. The last thing I'd say is if things got so bad nobody's gonna travel, we basically could become a housing provider of last resort, right? And so there's not enough mobile home parks in this country, there's not enough affordable housing there are a whole bunch of RVs. So if nobody's traveling, we have to become basically an RV park for some amount of time inside of our campgrounds. We could shut down our amenities. We could let people stay for a year long lease. We could get through a year or two, right, of basically being a mobile home park. And then after that was over, people started traveling again, we could reopen the amenities, clean things up, get rid of the leases and go right back to being an RV park. There's no structural changes necessarily that we'd have to make. So we believe we have some outs. there's no guarantees, uh, but we think by buying the right properties and the right places, uh, with the with the right kind of um, financing and, and plans, that uh, we should be able to weather this one.
1: So, a couple of questions out of that. One, um, when you mentioned we can, you know, start converting it to one year lease. And again, I may be wrong, but my understanding was that in an RV park, you can only let people stay like a month to month or on one month lease in most of the you know um, neighborhoods are MSAs, right? So how would you um, how would you ta- how would you take care of that?
0: <laughs> yeah, so we are talking about a very specific county by county issue, right? So right. what is the zoning, right? A lot of times the zoning is either just agricultural or it might actually be mobile home park or view park already. And so the decision for the twenty eight day maximum stay is typically a business decision, not necessarily a regulatory decision from the government. And so, we choose to not let our, student, our, our travelers stay more than 28 days because we don't want to deal with leases. We don't want to deal with the evictions. We want to be a place where people are coming and going so people don't feel like they're trying to vacation next to somebody's house because that's not really a conducive for a traveler. Um, but there's really from all of our parks we have right now, there'd be nothing that would stop us from being able to do that other than just our own um, internal decisions uh, as a business opportunity.
1: Interesting. Another thing um, you mentioned that, you know, to these people who have bought RV, they would try to go, you know, go out for vacation. Do you think, though, as an investor, I should be looking at RV, not the RV park, but RVs, Uh, maybe because of recession, some of these guys will start selling their RVs and I can, you know, (laughs) get them for much cheaper.
0: (laughs) I mean, you can't get it for much more, right? So, I mean, we saw prices just absolutely explode yes, uh, on RVs, did. right? 20-year-old 20 twenty-year-old RVs were $200,000, which is yes. absolutely insane, right? Yeah. These things should be depreciating, but they weren't. Um, it
1: happened with autos. It happened with mobile home parks. We saw double the price. <laughs> I do
0: think that RVs themselves, the value is very much tied to interest rates. And so, uh, okay. with interest rates going up, people aren't buying RVs in cash, typically. They're, they're trying to finance them. And so... I do think there'll be an opportunity to see prices come down. Is there a place for investors to make money in there? Yes, but it's not my business model. I have no idea.
1: Right, right. (laughs) No, and I, you know, as an investor, you always want to keep your eyes and ears open, right? Absolutely, absolutely. (laughs) So are there any specific markets you are focusing on?
0: Yeah, so, you know, one of the things that we found was that managing our view parts is hard. Because there are no third-party management companies yet, right? So it's something that we're actually actively working to provide here in the future. But right now, I can't go call, hey, 1-800-RV-PARK operators for the size of parks that we're buying, right? These 100 to 200 space parks. Okay. So with that, management becomes really difficult, and you have to have a system, you have to have a plan. Well, Climb Capital has created our own property management company completely around the idea of buying and managing our own parks. And so our management company kind of dictates almost our buy box to make sure that we can manage these assets successfully. And so what we have found is find really good operators who can be on the actual site. Um, you might call a property manager, but we try not to use that verbiage because we don't want people to have that property management experience and just collect checks and kind of be, uh, be only mar- marginally available. We want people to kind of have a hospitality, have the right outlook. We teach them how to run the park and they kind of give them a PL and l and say, hey, you run the P&L, treat people right. You have kind of the autonomy to go do it. So we're finding really good people. So because of that, our buy box is parks that are open year round because I don't want to lose my management talent when it shuts down for a few right. months out of the year, like often happens uh, in the north when it starts to get cold right. and snow hits the ground. So we're looking for basically Texas to Florida, anywhere south of the freezing line, where we can keep a park open year round um, is is the, the top part. So of pretty our, much our sun, box. Belt.
1: sun belt, sun yeah. where everyone is moving.
0: <laughs> Absolutely, and the other right. thing is, listen, I'm I'm a pilot, right? I bought an yeah. airplane. My company's called Climb Capital, as in you know climbing out, yeah. right? I, I want to buy parks all over the southeast, so that I have to buy, have to keep the airplane. And the wife lets me go fly all my parks because right. it's just part of the deal, right? So uh, she can't turn down my airplane dreams if it's part of the business. So oh, so this is
1: deal. one of our excuse, huh?
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: <laughs> oh, that's that's. So, can you now, now? let's talk about numbers, right? Can you take sure. us through your best RV park deals so far?
0: Yeah, and listen, they're not all going to be this good, right? But um, the 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 one that I'm probably most excited about is a park that we bought here in town, just outside of Pensacola, Florida. Um, the seller had lived and operated the park for about the last 19 years, I believe. Um, she had done her best, but she had lived there long enough that the tenants had become her friends and she wasn't raising rents and things weren't necessarily being taken care of the right way. And so we were able to buy that park for $875,000. Okay. This was in 2020. Um, it only appraised for $850,000 uh, uh-huh. because of how she'd been running things. Yeah. But we, we were able to come into that park and in about six months, we were able to start fixing, expanding, um, cleaning up and increasing rents and increasing the amenities. Uh, rebranded. And uh, uh, about six months later, we were able to get an appraisal for over five million dollars for that park in about six to nine months. Yeah. Wow, wow, yeah. that's huge. Wow. That's- now Now I will say that, that appraisal probably wouldn't stand now in 2022 as right it's gone up. Things but I still. But still, like we're probably looking in the, the high threes. Yeah, so man. you think about you know, you're really getting the 4x kind of on the total value that's of the great. property. This is like multifamily in like 2011,
1: 2015. Right. right. Yeah. Till huge 2015. Opportunity. Till Absolutely.
0: 2015. Absolutely. So <laughs> that's kind of the numbers. When people ask me about RV parts, I'm like, it's like multifamily was in 2014 when I first started. Right. Like, you can still buy these deals and have tons of actual value, right. not this perceived value add, right? We talked yeah. about
1: and, and Yes, correct. And, and even if you make mistake, you'll be fine. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So, now let's talk about the other side. What was your mm-hmm. worst deal and what did you learn from it? And if there was no worst deal, any mistakes you have made?
0: Listen, I'm not perfect, right? And if you're in this business long enough and you you think you're going to do all home runs, you're crazy, right? <laughs> um, so the, the worst deal for us has not been an RV park. So far, RV parks have kind of been absolutely grand slams. Uh, that won't continue forever. Pricing is getting really hard. It's really hard to find RV parks. They're going to get thinner over time. But right now, those have been really good to us unfortunately for us, has really been uh, multifamily. So one of the reasons we moved to RV parks was the deal I'll talk about now. It's 103-unit in Mobile, Alabama, um, located in a transitional area, um, and due to a hurricane, COVID, COVID eviction moratorium, a fire, failed management, failed contractors, and another failed management company, um, we have been way behind uh, kind of any of our expectations of, of growth for rents wow. or uh, anything else. And so we're actually under contract to sell that deal. When we sell that deal, we'll make maybe one to 2%. It'll be almost, almost be a flat return after two and a half years of ownership, which is really unfortunate. Um, but we found that that just is not something that we can, we are no longer willing or able to take on those deals and try to, you know, take them to the finish line like we were three or four or five years ago, because there's just no more meat on the bone um, to do it.
1: No, that totally makes sense. So, um, Anything else we did not discuss about RV parks
0: nobody should buy them they're terrible um, I'm just <laughs> here's here's the issue right that with mobile home parks um, in the past and now RV parks in the day there's not good data on RV parks and so there's not easy formulas there's not good um, there's not good processes or, or ways to go know where these RV parks are at most counties don't have an RV park uh, designation on their zoning and so you know, trying to find these things to even buy is really, really difficult. And we've done a lot of research in the last year or two. and We really think the total number of RV parks that are even kind of inside of our buy box is probably less than a couple thousand. So um, it's a great opportunity, but uh, I don't think we're going to see the mass rush like we've seen in the multifamily. I just think there's not enough units uh, for it to become kind of a huge opportunity. Um, and then the second thing I'd say is everybody's talking about building RV parks uh, and, and and good on them. But as somebody who's been in the industry and I'm building more pads inside my parks, I'm working on my own development right now, the time and the money that people are getting yes. ready to spend on these is so long in comparison to buying a cash flowing property today that they can make better tomorrow. So everybody wants me to come build their park, but there's really not a lot of money in that right now, based on the cost of the actual building and the timelines uh, and the unknowns of that local approval, which we've gotten bid on ourselves. So, um, all, all for it, if you can figure out the development plan, but that is not really kind of what we want to do as our focus.
1: Oh, This was great. Thank you, Jeremy, for sharing a lot of golden nuggets. Are you ready for fire round? Let's do it. Let's go. Would you be changing any business or investment strategy because of inflation or recession?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So um, our business really, as a syndication um, kind of company, is, is based on long-term cash flows at the end of these deals, right? And so the way we kind of keep the lights on and we pay the employees is acquisition fees. And so if we're not buying deals because interest rates are jumping and there's not a ton of deals, we don't have the cash flow, right? To kind of keep the place paid. Uh, and yeah, we make cash flow for deals, but it's pretty small in the first couple of years uh, that we've been doing this. And so we're actually going to take a turn and say, hey, we, we said there is no RV park management, uh, but we're going to go provide that. And so we're right now, basically beefing up our systems to be able to take on third-party management for other people's RV parks um, as another way to kind of add an opportunity to, uh, to find more parks and to provide a service and provide some cash flow for our company, doing something basically we're already doing pretty well. Right.
1: And, and for that, would you be focusing on the same markets? Because of course you don't want to go out right now.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, we would probably be willing to go a little bit farther out if it's um, – uh, somebody else's park and they've already got to capitalize well and it's, it's, it, it, they don't have a problem with that. But in general, yeah, we'd want to stay kind of in the Sunbelt Southeast because that's really where we kind of know and, uh, and places that I want to visit personally in my airplane.
1: <laughs> Favorite real estate or finance or any other related book?
0: So uh, it's one that, I, that I, uh, I offer up and it's kind of old and I haven't read it in years. But the thing that actually got me kicked off was a book called Investing in Duplexes, Triplexes and Quads. Oh, okay. By Larry Loftus, right? Okay. It was a very kind of basic book I'm like, hey, buy a multifamily, live in a unit, or uh, yeah. or, or turn it over, and over time you can kind of live on wealth. Uh, and so, for people first getting started, I think that's a great book. Um, I don't know of any books necessarily in the RV park space that I recommend, but in the syndication space, I'm a big fan of the Joe Fairless uh, best ever apartment yeah. syndication book. Um, and so, I, I'll be very honest, that was kind of the, the basis of our entire business model, even before we read the book. We read the book like, yeah, that's what we are doing. Uh, so, I think that's pretty. Uh, a pretty good book for guys wanting to get into this space.
1: That's great. Any tool or website you recommend or you
0: cannot live without? So for our team, right, we really found that email was absolutely killing us. And so trying (laughs) to use email as a file system didn't work. And so we moved to Google Drive, right? With with somebody responsible for actually keeping the drives cleaned up and put together. And then the other one that we're really big fan of is Basecamp. Um, Basecamp Mm. provides an opportunity for us to, Communicate about each property in a place where we can all keep all that information, and so we're not we're not keeping all the information on properties and emails and text and phone calls and and uh, in person. Everything's kept on Basecamp, so we can kind of keep everything in one spot um, as we continue to grow.
1: Any advice for beginner investors?
0: <sighs> I'll be honest, it's hard, right? So I've been doing this for ten plus years. I've had a lot of success. What I'm thinking about now is not the same thing. The guy who's trying to do the first deal. But when I do think back about that first deal, the thing I always remind people is, uh, especially if you're going to try to raise money from other people, if you're going to try to get into commercial real estate, um, there's a lot of us here that are already doing it at a high level. It's not easy to break in. Uh, But when you find your little little niche that you're going to break in at, you have to show success somewhere else. If you have never had success in your life, commercial real estate may not be the place for you. Go find some success with one or two small houses, a couple small multifamily deals prove that you have some ability to run a model and make it actually work and then take that success and and, and blow it up to bigger, bigger deals. Um, It blows my mind how many guys, 18 to 24, come to me and tell me they're going to be a multifamily syndicator and they've never really had a big boy job. They've never had any experience. They have no success they can really talk to, but they read the book and they watched the YouTube. And so they're going to go raise millions of dollars. They might, but I really recommend like have some success, kind of see what hard looks like before you go out and try to start using other people's money. Um, go buy these bigger deals.
1: Oh, totally makes sense. How do you give back?
0: So, I'm Christian, right? So, I go to church, um, believe in that stuff uh, wholeheartedly. But one of the things I do that I really like is we actually have a finance class that I teach uh, every couple of weeks. So, when people come in asking for a, a handout or for some help, one of the things they have to do is actually come to my class where we talk for about two hours about uh, how to make more money, how to save money, uh, how to budget. And the big one that I've been spending a lot of time on recently is how to find a job, right? So the days even 15, 20 years ago when I was looking for a job of going in and picking an application don't make sense anymore. You got to have a different skill set to go find a job that you really want and you want to keep in 2022. And so uh, teaching that class is probably one of the, the, my favorite things I do and, and kind of my favorite way to give back to.
1: How can my listeners reach out to you?
0: So climbcapital.com uh, is probably the easiest way to find us. Um, you can also find me you on know, all the big social media platforms, Jeremy Hands uh, or Climb Capital. Uh, and if anybody's a credit investor, we have 506C uh, opportunities right now, funds for RV parks. So we're always glad to uh, to meet and talk about those opportunities too.
1: Thank you so much, Jeremy, for your time today.
0: Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Wealth Matters podcast. If you enjoyed it, please leave us a five-star rating on iTunes so others can enjoy the show too. Have a great week and happy investing.